How would you describe your relationship to facts and fun facts in specific? Fun facts? Uh, yeah. Facts? Yes. Thumbs up on facts. <laughs> fun facts? Part of me wants to say like every fact is a mm. fun fact, is it not? Yeah, I agree. But I mean, boy, do I love a fun fact. Today, fun factors, we are joined, we are incredibly lucky and grateful to be joined by the excellent and fascinating Jesse Char, who is gracing us with her presence to dispense what I can only imagine are going to be mind-blowingly cool facts, because I know her and I've begotten to listen to her facts in IRL, as I think the kids said when I was a lot younger. I don't know what the kids say now, but they were incredible in person, so I can only imagine. So welcome to the show, Jesse, and thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Hello. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what IRL is now. I think because real life no longer exists, like <laughs> there isn't a need to say IRL anymore. That no so. one has to contextualize anything. It's just yeah. like wherever we are is IRL. Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact, there was a Baron of Arizona. In fact, there were three of them. Three Barons. There were three Barons of Arizona. Uh, when? <laughs> is, What's a baron? First off, that's... how do you define baron? <laughs> so a baron is the ruler of of a bar, a baron a baronetcy. I think that's how you say it. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. If anyone out there knows what the actual word is, you know, uh please let me know. But you know, it's one of the like it's below a king and I think it, it, it's pretty close to the king, though. It's like like one, I think it's one level down. All right. And then my next question, what is Arizona? <laughs> so Arizona is now a state in the U.S. next to New Mexico and California. Well, I think that I think that answers all the questions I have about your fact. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move moving right along. So we, we are returning to a topic we've we've done previously on the show which is unexpected royalty corner but this time it's fake royalty now because we're really on scheme corner so this story it's it's pretty complicated i've tried to like take all the information and and simplify it as much as i as i could to keep just the parts that like would be interesting or make sense but i will include in the show notes of course a link to the full story and it's i Anyone who's like, this is really crazy and interesting, I recommend reading it because I'm leaving out like a ton of really crazy details because this story is wild. So the man who claimed to be the third Baron of Arizona was named James Addison Rivas, and he was a con man and a forger. So the con, the, 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 the central con we're talking about here was for a land grant claim to 18,600 square miles, which is about 16% of today's Arizona. Of course. And the specific area he claimed included, you know, little-known places like Phoenix and Tempe. There's some places in <laughs> So, you know, just somewhere. This is what I love about this particular story is, like, what drew me to it is how bold the con is. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, because he definitely would have gotten away with it if he had gone, like, for a reasonable claim. Yeah, you gotta bet hard to lose, win hard. What is? To, what well, is I don't know, but in this case, you gotta bet hard to lose hard. I think. Sure, you have to do something hard to receive a hard 
result. <laughs> yeah, he got well. He got well. We'll see if he got a hard result or not. So the <laughs> the con happened in two different phases, and they were a couple years apart. And the the first was just him straight claiming the ownership of all of this land. And how did he do that? So it was based on a part of the treaty that ended the Mexican American War. Mm-hmm. And in that treaty, the U.S. government, when they settled, agreed that any land claims that had been given to people by Spain when Spain was running Mexico, the United States would honor those claims. Mm -hmm. So he claimed he owned a land grant called the Peralta Grant Mm -hmm. through a dead friend of his. (laughs) Now, that, that, that little part there, through a dead friend of his, has an asterisk on it, which is like, an insanely complicated story completely on its own <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that I'm going to mostly avoid. So Rivas had, had a dead friend. Well, he had a live friend who then became a dead friend. That, 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 and they were plotting for this land grant. So while he, so basically he came forward and said, I own this. And then, you know, it needs to be surveyed and certified. And there's this whole process of it. Like, you don't just say, oh, I have a land grant. And then they go, cool. What do you want us to do? You know, there's like a process. And while that process was going on, he was selling things called quit claims, which I had never heard that term before. Are you familiar with that term? I don't know what any, I didn't even know what Arizona was. <laughs> so a quit claim is basically a promise that you won't claim someone's, like the land someone is doing something on. Okay. So like you actually own their land, but you will sell them the promise that you will not, that you will quit your claim for that space. So you'll say, I'm not going to claim this area that you're currently doing stuff. Okay. So he was selling those as well as all these investment opportunities Mm -hmm. based on the idea that eventually his ownership of the land would be upheld and he'd be able to, he'd be in the position to actually do this. But he was taking the money, which is a great situation if you can you know, swing it. So understandably, as you might imagine, people in Arizona at the time, which was, by the way, it was Arizona territory. It hadn't become a state yet. Mm -hmm. People were not, because, oh, you asked when this happened and I didn't say. It was in the 1800s. I asked a lot of questions. Okay, 1800s. (laughs) Uh, Was it called Arizona at the time or like did it have some other name? No, it was called Arizona Territory. Okay, cool, cool, So there was Arizona Territory and there was New Mexico Territory. Mm -hmm. They weren't states yet. So... People in Arizona were not really, people in Arizona territory were not, like, stoked about this. And they got together to try to fight it, and it got really messy. The guy who he knew who was dead had given it to his wife who gave it to somebody else who gave it to, you know, it was like, kind of like a Jenga stack of of complicated craziness. So it all kind of fell apart, and he left, and 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 everyone kind of forgot really quickly about it because, I think because the Apache... They were basically fighting wars with the Apache Indians. And so, it, you know, that was more important to them at that time. Mm-hmm. I bet it was. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was, too. So anyway, so he took a few years off and kind of cooled his heels and, and rethought it. And that's when we get to the second phase of this con. This so, scheme. This incredible scheme. Yeah. So at this point, he went to Mexico and to Spain uh-huh. and he forged at least 200 documents <laughs> that he like inserted into various archives around the world and then just happened to find. Oh my God. And he didn't even have a computer to do all of this. He didn't even have Photoshop. He was doing this by hand. My God. So he would go to these historical archives. He would get their permission to look around based on some like fancy people he had convinced. And then he would go through their stuff and then he would kind of leave. And then he would come back a few days later and be like, hey, um, could you grab page 32, section 12 for me? 
And then they would be like, uh, I've never noticed this section before in here and show it to him. And it would always magically prove his whatever he was claiming. <laughs> you know, I, the thing that I like about this guy so far is that like, yeah. if you think about it, forgery, what is it if not arts and crafts? That's like an arts and crafts project, <laughs> right? And so I love <laughs> this man totally is using arts and crafts to like yeah. scheme his way into being the Baron of Arizona, whatever yeah. and wherever that is. Uh, yeah. Please continue yeah. your story. <laughs> yeah, he's arts and crafting his way to success. Yeah. And that is a lesson for all of us. Yeah, all you need is a pen and some paper. <laughs> exactly. So these documents that he forged explained this crazy complicated amount of history that I'm also going to mostly skip over. But But the shortest version is that there had already been two barons of Arizona. And they had been given the land of Arizona by the king of Spain. And everything about that is super confusing and complicated, but the end result is that the second baron had a granddaughter, and everyone else in the family died, and she became an orphan, and she had a twin, but the twin died, and so she was the only one. She was the last remaining descendant of this part of the family, and there's a will that her grandfather left her his claim to Arizona. So now there's a, a baroness out there somewhere. My God. So not only were there three barons of Arizona, there was also a baroness of Arizona, and Revis incredibly this is amazing he managed to find that orphan daughter oh my god because <laughs> this is still this is before this is before you can just google somebody yeah he doesn't before have a, you he can look him up in a phone book he's got you know he's got nothing all he has is yeah. his wits and his arts and craft skills yeah so he's he, he finds her while traveling on a train wow yeah wow. so he notices a woman who in his opinion bears a striking resemblance to the second baroness and so he tells her you know you're probably the descendant of these people and you probably own a bunch of, you know, you have this incredible inheritance. So he sweet talks her and eventually he marries her. <laughs> of course. Right. So that <laughs> means because she was the third baroness of Arizona and he's married her. Now he's the third baron of Arizona and legally entitled to her claim. <laughs> so the whole fraud just keeps growing and growing and growing. He sent his wife to a special finishing school at a convent and trained her in how to be like a, a royal lady <laughs> because she was a pretty normal person and he needed her to look the part. Mm -hmm. So, and then he, he announces all these development plans for Arizona, all this stuff he's going to do, and he starts selling investment again. He doesn't own the, I mean, he hasn't officially taken control of the land, right? But he's just pre-selling. It's like almost like modern venture capital, right? He's oh, just, yes, yes, yes. He's pre-selling the opportunity, like, this is going to be big, get in now, it's going to be way more expensive later, like, you can do it, you know. He really was a, a, an innovator in so many ways. <laughs> so he made so much money off this that they owned houses in San Francisco, St. Louis, and New York. Whoa. They're wearing, like, the finest clothes, They've got, everything's tailored, they're fancy as hell. And, you know, he, he just flew a little too close to the sun. So this is when it all starts. So that's, like, the height, and this is when it all starts to, to inevitably, you know crash down because we don't currently have a baron of arizona as far as i know if you're the baron of arizona out there please get in touch with yeah. the podcast at funfactfm <laughs> but but eventually the u.s government got involved because they were going to lose like most of a state right <laughs> so, or i don't know 18 percent or whatever i said of a state so they looked deeply into the claim and they they found some issues with the paperwork and this is where the arts and craft skills your point about that comes back into play uh-oh yeah, so they found four main issues. So most of the claim's 18th century documents were written with steel-nibbed pens, mm. not not quills. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, so that's a, that's a problem. 
Also, the printing style on the documents differed from the other documents of the same time period. Mm-hmm. Particularly in what whatever this means, I don't know what this means, but particularly in the use of the long S. I don't ah. know what a long S is. I don't know what that is. Huh. But apparently, that's a problem. Hmm. They also couldn't find any supporting documents, uh, like, other than the ones he had. He seemed to have every document, and, and in the places where you would expect there to be more documents, there weren't. And then there were multiple spelling errors and grammar issues with the Spanish in the documents, Uh which would be really unlikely for the Spanish royal court to have. Like he would use the wrong form of a verb in the past tense or things like that, you know, little things that are like, oh, this person's not a native Spanish speaker. He didn't finish Spanish class in high school. (laughs) So, So that led to the dismissal of his claim completely. They were like, no, this is nonsense. And so he sued the government. <laughs> for $11 million. Of course, of course. How successful was that? There was a trial. Uh-huh. And he produced multiple witnesses who claimed to have known the various barons, to know his wife when she was a kid, and new cousins and new details kept miraculously appearing when needed to save the day. There's this whole, like, show trial. It's crazy. There's all this nonsense. And that led to an even more thorough government investigation because, of course, it did. And that found like direct evidence of his inserting records into the archives. Like he he had a warrant for his arrest in Spain <laughs> because they discovered what he'd been doing. Mm-hmm. So they, they were like, this guy yeah. keeps showing up in places and suddenly finds papers that we didn't know about. Like we've been working in these archives for many years. He's discovered all this crazy stuff. So he had fled Spain and he had some like fancy friends that had covered it up. He was good at making, you know, he's a con man. So he's good at making fancy friends. Yeah. So he lost the lawsuit. And he was arrested, and he was charged with 42 counts of forgery. This kind of makes me want to become a con artist. <laughs> just because it seems like an exciting thing to do? I don't know. I, I don't know. It just sounds like a bunch of, like, just using all everything you've got, all of your skills to accomplish something absolutely batshit. It's just amazing. And that guy failed so hard. But, oh, my God, did he live large for a significant amount of time. Well, yeah. So he was he was found guilty. Mm-hmm. And most of his witnesses admitted to lying in the previous trial. Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced to two years in prison. Oh, two years? <laughs> That's it. Two years. I mean, oh. I wouldn't want to spend two years in prison. But two years in prison. That's like nothing. Not that much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So, you know. During the height of the scam, he managed to collect an estimated... million, which would be the equivalent of $163 million today. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Good job. Good Lord. He lived. Yeah. What a life. I just, I like the audacity of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like it really set the tone for Arizona also. Yeah, do you ever watch The Good Place? Oh, all the time, yes. It really does kind of fit in with the narrative of Arizona on that show, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, I feel like Florida has their, you know, Florida man situation. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, like, fun fact, if you want a fun time, Google Florida man. Yeah, and also, fun, fun, (laughs) this is not even a fun fact, but I'm now just (laughs) realizing that you came with an Arizona story, and I came with a Florida story. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. We are definitely talking about the two funniest states in the United States of America. Yeah. Opinion. I guess statistically speaking, most fun facts probably do come from Arizona and Florida. So Yeah, I mean it's gotta be a high percentage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So isn't that isn't that crazy? Like, I mean, I just I I what? So I I found out about this initially because of a movie. So they made this. In, of course, they made this into a movie. Oh, I was gonna say this needs to be a movie. What's the movie called? The movie is called Baron of Arizona. Oh, of course. <laughs> and guess who plays this guy, Revis? Who? Vincent Price. What? Yes. <laughs> isn't that amazing? This is incredible. Yeah, How did I not yeah. know? I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in terms of schemes, I don't know if they're going to get much bigger than that one. If you've got a bigger scheme than that, let me know. And I, we will we will talk about it on another episode. But uh, but yeah, it's a pretty good. Scheme. Yeah. Good scheme. What did you call? What did you scheme corner? Something corner. Scheme corner. OK. Yeah, scheme yeah, corner. Scheme corner. All right. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> OK. So, yeah. So I guess to cap off your arizona story i have my florida story my fun Mm -hmm. fact uh which is that fun fact there are little to no mosquitoes in disney world yeah so i i'm gonna be honest with everybody i you put this on your instagram stories at some point Mm -hmm. and i saw just that part yeah and and since then i have been dying But but not by but not by any mosquito related illness to know more about this fact because that I mean it's Florida it's Florida (laughs) it's Florida yeah so I mean just you know Florida is like what between seventy and a hundred degrees all year like it doesn't really get colder than that like maybe it dips into the sixties at night in winter but like Florida's warm Florida I think is like thirty percent wetland. Yeah, so and, I both um, those numbers. I thought you were going to say seventy to one hundred percent mosquito or thirty percent mosquito. Like you oh, could have yeah. said either of those things, and I would Basically. also totally be going along with it. Basically, like, there's more mosquitoes than people. Yeah. So, but then you know you go to Disney World, and Disney World is not a small place. Disney World is about fifty square miles. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> what? So Disney okay. World is the, it's the same size as San Francisco, and like to put that into kind of perspective, what? yeah. Florida, like California is three times bigger than Florida. So Florida is like, you know, even though it's another like big, funny peninsula dick looking state, like (laughs) it's uh, a California is much bigger. And so like you got San Francisco and California and then a San Francisco sized Disney World in Florida. Manhattan, like San Francisco is twice the size of Manhattan. So like Disney World to Manhattans, it's absolutely insane and it's also like if you ever if you ever if you haven't been to florida like even if you just zoom in to florida like on a google map and like keep zooming mm-hmm. and zooming to where you can see all the roads and highways like you can see that florida looks like it's decaying or sinking <laughs> like it is just okay. it is just covered 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 in little swamps and puddles and lakes everywhere so like yeah. The fact that there are no mosquitoes in this city-sized theme park area in Florida city-sized. is this is insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So, yeah. so like that's kind of kind of the central fun fact. And then I have a bunch of yeah. supporting fun facts around okay. all of this. So, um, so when you know I've been to Disney World twice, and like the first time, I just didn't even think about mosquitoes because like I live in. You know, we, we both live in the Bay Area. Mosquitoes aren't a yeah. huge problem here. Like maybe no. sometimes if you have like, you know, like a barbecue in the summertime, like you're going to come away with like a bite or two. But like 
for the most part, no. Went into it not thinking about it and then was just like, wait a second, I was just in a swampland and I did not get bitten <laughs> by a mosquito once. I went again. It didn't happen again. So I started looking into it. Disney's official website does list it under their frequently asked questions, which is how are mosquitoes <laughs> controlled on Disney World property? The answer that they've given is okay. we have an extensive mosquito prevention and monitoring program across property. One sentence, huh. that's all. It is a much wow. bigger story than that. Because I looked into it, and it all... They don't toot their own horn. They don't toot their own... I mean, they toot their horn about so many things. It's just yeah. like, what else can they... Like, it's just like, ah, visit Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars. <laughs> no, I'm all about all of this behind-the-scenes weird yeah. infrastructure stuff. So, Definitely. how is it mosquito-free? Well, all right, it all started in 1964. <laughs> Of course it did. Um, the way that so many stories start, which is two <laughs> yeah. white men meeting each other and realizing that they should work together. Too um, many stories start that way. It's yeah, <laughs> but um, basically, like, in the 60s, um, like, Walt Disney, like, he had just made Disneyland, uh, what, 56 or something like that. It was, like, becoming pretty successful. And the opportunity had come up to buy a bunch of land in Orlando, which at the time was largely undeveloped. They were just putting in like a new interstate near this new airport. And so Disney started kind of creeping around Orlando thinking like, oh, there's so much land here and it's very, very cheap. At the time, it was $100 an acre. And so they ended up um, creating all of these shell companies to start buying up all of the undeveloped land near the airport and new highways. Was that so that people wouldn't know? Do you think that was yeah. that way people wouldn't know what they were doing? Because they was trying to buy a lot of land. Yes, yeah, yes, Yeah, you yes. don't want anyone to know that you're buying all the land. Yeah, the all the land. one jackass in the center is like, <laughs> I want all the money. Exactly. And so, like, so they had all of these shell companies. They were like Compass East and the Latin American Development and Management Corporation and just, like, all these random shell companies buying up all this land. People in Florida start getting suspicious, and they're just like, yeah. ooh, is NASA coming in? Maybe the Rockefellers are moving to Florida. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and like, the prices started going up. So, like, Disney initially buying this land for $100 an acre, I think by Insane. the end of it, the prices had gone up to, like, $18,000 an acre or something. But whatever. <laughs> because, like, oh <laughs> at the end of the day, they did it. They got, yeah. they got like, 30,000 acres of land for like 30,000 30, acres of land for like basically nothing because yeah. again the bulk of it they were buying for like I just need one Disney an can I get one <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> also I think that like actual Disneyland like Disneyland in California is like an acre so yeah I know it's tiny I've never been to Disney World I've only been to Disneyland and Disney Paris and I know yeah. that Disney World is like way bigger right? <laughs> Disneyland like legitimately is like one acre <laughs> and Disney that's crazy. World and Disneyland is 30,000 30, yeah it's really so that's a slight difference it's it's pretty significant um so anyway so like they have all these this land oh and gosh. then um Disney meets this guy at the World's Fair it's 1964 they're in New York um, and it is this guy named Joe Potter. So um, Joe Potter used to be the governor of the Panama or sorry, the Panama Canal Zone. So okay. he knew how to work with like difficult land and difficult climates, and specifically right. was like talking about pest control and irrigation systems and stuff like that. And so Walt and Joe are like broing down, and Walt is just like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm doing this crazy thing in Florida, and I want you to be my man." So anyway, they. Disney 
petitions the Florida government and brokered a deal that basically allowed for the creation of a new like municipality. So they create something called the Reedy Creek Improvement District um, that basically now lets Disney do everything. So Disney, okay. under this deal, gets total control over land use, regulation, and planning, building codes, zoning, what? roads, bridges, oh waste treatment, God. environmental services, like everything, everything except for property tax and elevator inspections are now fully under Disney's like municipality. And then they put Joe as the oh, like... Panama Canal guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like suddenly the like <laughs> district admin or whatever. Okay. Um, and wow. the president okay. of board of supervisors. So it's really crazy. So now Disney has a San Francisco sized plot of land in Florida. This guy is working on it and like they can do literally anything that they want. So like, you know, there's a lot of different kind of components to this project that are all under this like big urban planning thing. But one of the things that had really like locked Joe and Walt in together was that Joe was talking about specifically the fact that he doesn't like using pesticides because of like environmental um impact. And so wow, like they really early for that, Yeah, huh? they like so they really bonded over that and like we're talking about ways to kind of like build a city up in a smarter way with smarter electronics and st smarter waste management and smarter mm -hmm. mosquito control. So, mm -hmm. getting into the way that mosquitoes are controlled that were really initially developed by this guy named Joe Potter um, with the full support of Walt Disney while he was still alive. First off, like, as we were talking about, Florida is swampland, and why is it that mosquitoes are more likely to be there? It's because mosquitoes lay their eggs in standing water, and Florida is, like, 30% standing water. So mosquitoes love standing water. They love warmth. And so how do you eliminate that breeding ground? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. so, do you drain all the swamps? Do yeah. you buy a bunch of cold AC units and put them everywhere? <laughs> like, what do you do? No, although like fun fact about cold AC units is that they did install them into the, the rock caves that the lions in Animal Kingdom sleep huh. in so that... They're ha they have a nice place to be. So anyway, yeah, Disney does weird secret oh, AC stuff. Okay. But um, uh, Orlando gets about fifty inches of rainfall a year. Ooh, that Put like into a perspective, lot. like Seattle gets thirty-eight inches of rainfall. So like Orlando is Ooh, really okay. goddamn rainy. Like it's yeah. awful. So Disney World built in to like basically like every everywhere in the property they have these specific ditches that they call Joe's ditches, named for Joe Potter that will catch and drain the rainwater so that it can never puddle oh, okay. anywhere. Any sort of man-made water feature um, is either going to be like a river so that it's moving or have fountains in it so that the water is always flowing through. It's going to be a no waterfall. No standing water. No standing water. So like you notice a lot of rides, like the water's always flowing through. They just make it so that the water's always being filtered and cycled. That has to be 24 hours a day then, huh? That has to be 24 hours a day, yes. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. All buildings and structures have to be designed such that rainwater can never collect anywhere, like anywhere. Wow, okay. Yeah, and, in a place that rains twice as much as Seattle almost. Yeah, in a place that rains okay. twice as much as Seattle. And, like, you kind of think about, like, well, that might not be too hard because, you know, you think of a neighborhood or a city and, like, things have, like, a pretty standard way that they look. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Disney is that all of the buildings are themed, and so they're trying to mimic all of these different architecture styles and making all of these, like, thousands of different themed fantastical structures. Yeah. But everything has to be curved or angle. 
And you see yeah. like a lot of convex shapes so that you can still make ornate designs without giving opportunity for moisture to pool. So like every structure, every ground, and then and then the plants, like the way that they use plants, they landscape according to like which plants will suck up more water out of the ground. And they'll put those in places that are more likely to like get puddling. Have you walked around Disney World since you knew this? Like to look at all the architecture and be like, what the hell? Like, how did they do this? Yeah, because I looked it up like while I was there last time and it's just mind blowing. Um, Yeah. And then like any of the natural bodies of water are kept free of lily pads because that's where mosquitoes hide. And then they just like dump a bunch of like types of fish in there that like specifically feed on mosquito larvae. So like okay. they use things like plants, architecture, natural predators, it's super, super crazy. And that's kind of how they manage the propagation of mosquitoes. But then obviously like mosquitoes are going to find a way because they're fucking mosquitoes. <laughs> and so they have this like monitoring program thing. And that's where okay. things I think get a little bit crazy. Yeah. So, so far, so far, it's it's all it's it's incredibly impressive mm-hmm. and 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 mind blowing and especially because it's all kind of low tech and mm-hmm. and also just very in, sort of environmentally friendly like it's a really cool solution to these problems of like we're going to we're not going to like pesticide it like you said they they were opposed to that we're just going to find all these the right fish and the right shapes and the right stuff and understand the problem in all this kind of way so that's like already fascinating and then there's this monitoring program yeah, yeah. So, like, all the urban planning stuff, urban planning's very cool. When you do things in a smart way, design really works. But then they have yeah. this monitoring thing because, like, with mosquitoes, the risk is not just limited to people getting bitten by mosquitoes, but mosquitoes do carry viruses. And so right. more monitoring is needed. So Disney has set up CO2 traps all over the place. Okay. And so if you don't know, like mosquitoes are attracted to carbon dioxide. There's this, yeah, there's this like trope where it's just like the, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced the fact that mosquitoes will often attack you when you're sleeping or like right after you've fallen asleep, but it's because your the breath that you exhale while you're sleeping has a higher concentration of CO2 in it. And so like, that's a whole fun fact on its own. Yeah. And so mosquitoes can smell the difference between a, a, an awake person and a sleeping person, which is horrible. I know. That's horrible. And so do they, do they know? Yeah. That's a fun fact for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And do they target, so they target sleeping people also maybe, is it because they're not moving? Yes. Because they're more likely to get the blood out of the sleeping person and not be swatted away. So anyway, CO2 traps are just like these little like nets that just emit a little bit of CO2 at a time. And the mosquitoes are just like, ooh, it's a sleeping person. And they fly in and then they get caught in this net. And then the Disney people go around and collect all of the nets and then mm-hmm. they freeze the mosquitoes, and then they study all of them all the time. I don't know what like what the frequency they study is, all of them? but they study all of them. <laughs> okay, so this is getting a take, little. They take all this is these, the dark corner of this. I know it's weird. It's like it's so diabolical. But yeah. like they freeze all the mosquitoes, and then they like they like look at what kind of specimens they've gotten, and like how many there are, and like how many of them were female and fertile, and how many of them were about to lay eggs. So like they're tracking okay. like species and age and everything like that 
So this way, now they also have like, they're getting an idea for like where the hot zones of mosquitoes are. Cause like one area might be totally fine and they might be have like this big mosquito problem in another area. So it that part allows them to kind of like address the fact that there are mosquitoes, but then it also is just like letting them kind of monitor the population in general, which is insane. Yeah. And then that is not the only monitoring measure they have because the other okay. one is that there's something called chicken sentinels. Have you heard of chicken, this before? Chicken sentinels? Yeah. Those are not two words that I thought what I would hear next to each other. Yeah. And apparently, fun fact, chicken sentinels are not only a Disney thing, but okay. chicken sentinels are, are used for mosquito virus tracking because chickens okay. are able to contract things like West Nile and Zika virus, but they have a special antibody in their blood that makes them like not susceptible to any oh. of the illness part of it. So chickens will contract these diseases. And then they don't care. Yeah. And so like they have all these coops of chickens like hidden around Disney World. Oh my god. I want to find Have you found one of these Okay, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't continue. seen Sorry, one. I'm I so they, excited. I know. I think they keep them very hidden. And then yeah. they do blood tests on the chickens and okay, monitor okay. whether any of the chickens have contracted any mosquito-borne illnesses. Wow. So that if it is found in a chicken, they know that like like where the bad mosquito came from. So like oh my all of that. And then like of course just, you know, as the little, like, icing on the cake is that, like, yeah. of course, Disney does use, like, a sp- like they use sprays, of course. Oh, they okay. Spray- so there are... Yeah. I mean, it just is, like, a blanket procedure. They spray the property twice a day, once at dawn, once at dusk, with a okay. garlic spray. Oh. Because that is a natural thing. They have, um, they have like, I think that there's 300,000 species of plants and like 250 species of animals. So like, they have a really delicate ecosystem. So pesticides, like, you have to be real careful with that shit. They do also release like 11 million different like pest eating insects into the park. 11 every million? Year. Yeah. <laughs> every every what period? Every year. 11 million? Yeah. That's. That's the same amount that that our man sued the U.S. government for. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I mean, bugs are bugs are small. Really. Bugs are small, Arik. They don't take up that much space. So, oh so yeah. So, million. so what is the secret to no mosquitoes in Disney World? The secret is water. It's chickens. It's carbon dioxide, and it's garlic. It's like basically soup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with 11 million insects in it. So I don't know if I want to eat that soup. Yeah, but yeah. you know. Does it smell like garlic? No, because it's an amount that is indetectable to humans, but it is repulsive to mosquitoes. Wow. Plus, like, what else do they have at Disney? They have, like, French fries and popcorn. Right, and so many like, other smells. Yeah, they, yeah. but they, they do specifically, they don't spray anything that's near guests. And so, like, there is um, one of the resorts, just to, just to be clear, Dis, Dis, when we talk about Disney World, we're not really talking mm-hmm. about one place. We're talking about many places. There are four oh, okay. theme parks. I think there's, like, three there water. There are four theme parks? Yeah, there's Magic Kingdom, Dis, uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Epcot and hollywood studios 
So huh. we're talking four theme parks. We're talking like three golf courses and three water okay. parks, and then like okay. thirty-two hotels, and then like a billion different. There's like an entire outdoor shopping center situation. There's like it's it's it's. There's a town too, right? There's like there's, a... yeah, D- Disney Springs. There's a whole like villa, and then there's like a campsite area. So like they can't really oh spray God. the campsite. So like you're probably more okay. likely to get bitten by a mosquito if you're like camping in the woods by the lake or but whatever. That's part of the camping experience. That's part right? of the camping experience but they do have to spray i think it's like 80 miles or something each round oh my god and they do it twice a day (laughs) twice a day and that's just like (laughs) Like, that's just the people on mosquito duty like there are so many like this is just one of the tiny 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 things about disney parks in general that is just like fucking insane the whole thing is insane and the whole thing is insane yeah yeah sentinel chickens Sentinel Chicken is that one's gonna stick. I mean, that's like the name of a like a band that's on Bandcamp that I don't really want to listen to their. Yeah, album. I thought it was crazy, but like if you Google Sentinel Chicken, it's just like a thing, and people write about it like it's just anything else. It sounds <laughs> insane. <laughs> it does sound completely insane. Like I want them to have like little uh, like little telescopes <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. hats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 I definitely need outfits on my Sentinel chickens. Oh, yeah. Maybe some epaulets? <laughs> I don't know if people out there know what epaulets are, but if you don't, Google it and then picture a chicken wearing it. Yeah, a Sentinel chicken. That's incredible. Yeah, I just quickly Googled Sentinel chickens and found a What Are Sentinel Chickens page. So. Yeah. I'm going to read that later and read even more because I'm now obsessed with Sentinel Chickens. I know. <laughs> the, the, what's so amazing to me about all of this, I mean, everything about this is amazing. This is so – I, I had very high expectations for this fact because I've been waiting to learn about this from you for a long time. But I it it, it definitely was, you know, blew away my my, my expectations with how much – craziness this entails but at the heart of it it's still that same idea of environmentally conscious safe blah 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 like all that stuff we were talking about at the beginning it's still that totally yeah that's that's the most incredible thing i mean i you you kind of have unfortunately with this much stuff i would imagine you have to be a gajillionaire corporation to pay for all of this like i don't know if a anyone else could spray 80 miles with garlic spray twice a day every day and mm-hmm. keep water fountains running all the time but like it's amazing because they don't have to i mean it's just amazing it's like the little details that they will do to ensure that everyone has and it's all just to make it so that no one is ever like ah i'm getting bitten while i'm trying to enjoy this beautiful place yeah it's like i mean when when people talk about immersive design like yeah. that that is some real immersive design. They're they're changing the ecosystem. They're changing the. Go- yeah. They they had to change the government. Like <laughs> <laughs> they created their own district. That's it's. So so I went to Disneyland. I've been to Disneyland many times. Never been to Disney World. I've even been to Disneyland with you. But I went there one time on a day where the weather was awful and. It was just like, oh, we're going to Disneyland, but it's raining and it's not nice and whatever. And we got to the park and we parked in the parking lot and we started walking in. And as we crossed the threshold of the park, 
the rain stopped, the clouds opened up, and the sun started shining. That's just kind of how Disneyland happens. This is what I'm saying. So at the time, I was like, that's crazy. And now I'm like, hmm, how did they do it? I know. If anybody can do it, it is them. (laughs) Do the sentinel chickens also control the rain? Oh, my God. I know. I mean, I know that they do use, like, a lot of, like, weather balloons and stuff for, like, fireworks shows. But, like, yeah, it's, God, Are they, like, seeding the clouds with, like, no rain? Natural, <laughs> probably natural rock they're salt dehumidifying I don't know the sky yeah, yeah like they've exactly they've just got a bunch of dehumidifiers everywhere. it's like <laughs> blow it over to like the, i don't know the spectrum or something nearby like you know some some other part of anaheim the angels baseball stadium or something yeah <laughs> that is absolutely wild thank you so much for sharing that story that's that's thank so you for crazy. letting me share my story <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know it, i think the honor is definitely all ours that's in, absolutely incredible so i realized that at the beginning of this episode i never mentioned why you were on the show yeah who am <laughs> so, I? Well, I not that, not that we don't this, want who's this bitch that doesn't know what arizona is i know what arizona is <laughs> <laughs> If anyone tweets at her about what Arizona is, I will personally be very upset. (laughs) But, but, you know, my lovely co-host, Alan, is, as you're hearing this, on his paternity leave. So on this show, we we give paternity leave for new new parents. And Alan has just had his second child. So that is where he is and why he's not with us today. But we have the excellent Jesse Char to to fill in and and I think you did a, an absolutely incredible job and, and just thank you so much again for for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much, Arik. Thank you for another opportunity to for me to be on a podcast and talk about Disney. I think that that's all I do now. So <laughs> the next step is figuring out how to make money off of this. Yeah, I mean, they definitely should be paying you. At least you should be getting into Disney for free. Yeah, maybe I can forge some documents. I know some people who could help you. What you really need is an arts and crafts club. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's where you start. I Get your arts and crafts people. I the of Disney World. <laughs> That, oh, that's what you should do. Claim that you actually have a, gl- a grant to, to that part of Orlando. Yeah. Um, my friend died and he left me Disney World. So yeah. You- yeah. And I don't want, listen, I'm not trying to be difficult here. I don't want to <laughs> stop you. What you're doing is amazing. No mosquitoes. That's incredible. I'll just take some perks and we can just forget this whole thing ever happened. Yeah. Like free, free churros for, I don't know what the best snack is at Disney World, but free churros for life. Or that's something. a, that's a, that's a fun fact for another day. All right. <laughs> we'll have to have you back for more Disney facts or anything else you want to talk about and i will see everyone else out there in fun factors land next month when alan will be back and we will do our normal nonsense so thank you everyone and uh i don't know i don't usually say goodbye on the show so now i don't know what to do Just all right me. i can goodbye everybody i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thank you so much for listening to the show i'm gonna Aww. watch tv now <laughs>